World Wide Web has long been host to copied and pasted stories of an apocryphal nature. These stories came to be known as Copyvasta, and then the creepy variant emerged. Welcome to Creepy Podsta, the Creepy Pasta Podcast. Hi, it's Creepypasta, the Creepypasta podcast. But you know that, because it just said that in the intro. I don't know why I'm repeating myself. Uh, I gotta break that habit. Uh, this is an episode that we're doing of the show where we talk about creepypastas, and we're finally getting to a classic, oft-requested, uh, I don't know if that's true, I don't get that many requests, uh, <laughs> It's sort of like one of the classics, I guess. One of the, like, uh, it would be in your vocabulary. Uh, So I figured we should cover it, and it's nice to still have ones to go to, even after we've covered Slenderman, who's like the er example of creepypasta. That's where the term originated. Uh, Anyway, this one is The Rake. As you already know, unless you just blindly download these without looking at the titles. (laughs) And I have with me two guests, and before I introduce them, I'm gonna say that an ad goes here. It's Life Mark, a made-for-TV podcast. Each week, two friends plus occasional guests watch the best and worst made-for-TV movies that Lifetime and the Hallmark Network have to offer. These movies have it all. Bad boyfriends, adopted babies, crimes of passion, women who own gluten-free bakeries. Watch along with us and subscribe to Life Mark on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are sold. Welcome back from the advertisement. It's <laughs> me again, still. Uh, and I have with me, back again on the show, Stephanie Kingsbury and Cassie Kingsbury. And I didn't let them say hello. That was rude of me. Say hello now. Uh, oh, hello. Hi. Hey. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, you'd think I'd know after after all of these episodes. Uh, that, uh, Although, like, we to... are sisters, so we kind of sound exactly the same anyway, I guess, so. <laughs> uh, see, you both think that you sound the same, but I don't think that. I don't know what our listeners think. <laughs> uh, listeners, write us an email. <laughs> um, type, <laughs> send a carrier pigeon or a fax. Yeah, tweet <laughs> Please tweet. fax us and let us know if you think Cassie and I sound the same. <laughs> tweet at, at, at Pokemantic and let us know. That's our official Twitter account. I won't respond on any other Twitter accounts. <laughs> uh, so this, uh, this story is mm, a little non-linear. Steph, why don't you lead us through it? Alright, well, first of all, on this page where we read it, at the creepypasta page, it starts off with, like, a scary picture with, like, a scary guy in a forest. And it's all black and white and scary. I think this is Um, one of those that started out as, like, a photo manipulation and then developed a mythology around it. Yeah, like how Slenderman did. Yeah, so the beginning is, like, the setup how, um... 
in the northeastern United States, there was a strange human-like creature, and there was, like, a brief moment where, like, the news was talking about it, and a bunch of people cared, but then all of a sudden it just went away, and everyone forgot to care about it, and there's no record of it ever happening. Um, but then I guess there's, like, they talk about this group of people who then... Like, I don't know, looked at every document in the whole United States going back 400 years, everything anyone has ever written, <laughs> um, to find out stories about this creepy, human-like, scary thing. So then it goes through, like, a couple of the entries. So it's like the idea is this group of people doing the research are, like, writing a book. And then this person, whoever's writing this intro, is like, and here's some excerpts that they sent me about it. Um, so then there's, I think there's, like, four, yeah, there's, like, four entries. So the first one is... A suicide note from 1964 where a guy implies that he's killing himself because he's like so haunted by this scary monster thing. And then there's a journal entry from 1880 where somebody got really scared by this thing. Uh, and then another entry from a, sh a Mariner's Log, 1691, about a guy who said he saw it. And this is the first time, I guess, they call him the Rake. Yeah. Um, and then there's the longest story that's really, like, the main part of the story, I guess, um, from 2006, where this lady recounts how the Rake actually, like, seriously injured her daughter and probably resulted in the death of her husband and her daughter. So then she is one of the people who, like, formed the group who are researching him. Yeah, it's, uh... It sort of ends with, it's like not very narrative and sort of ends without a conclusion. Uh, yeah, just like, I, I thought it kept going after that, but then I was like, oh no, wait, that was that that was it. So it ends, yeah, it ends with like the 2006 account, but doesn't have a wrap-up paragraph from the person who wrote the introduction. Yeah, that's weird because the intro, it introduces these snippets as like, here's a small bit of the larger collection, and it says, here's excerpts from the upcoming book. So I can understand why there would only be this short number of stories, but then there's literally no wrap-up. It's just, I mean, it, it ends on a scary line, so I can understand why they kind of wanted to leave it at that, but I feel like the narrator kind of needed to come back in and close it out. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little weird. It's just like, yeah, I recorded myself when I was sleeping and I heard the rake's voice. The end. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then there's some then there's some videos on the page, and I didn't watch them because I'm a wuss. And also, one. one of them was like 45 minutes, yeah, I and I didn't want to watch all that. I didn't watch this, but I did watch the second one, and it has the most incredible elderly woman actress who is um, allegedly delivering, um, like, she's, like, giving a, a, a video will, like, she's recording a video will, so be sure. Oh, spooky. And, like, she wanted to tell them about this thing that happened to her, and it's, like, she's describing uh, the rape. I don't remember exactly. I think it was like she was a little girl when she saw it. Um, and she's great, so watch her for her performance, but I thought the video was uh, kind of not great. <laughs> That's all. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's like, uh, even just from the picture, I get the sense that someone was just like, hey, Grandma, can you help me with my uh, no, but she's school good, video though. project? I can't, but I'll tell you what actually makes it bad, then, because it's like, this is from the video bill of this person, and then throughout, there's these random cuts and flashes to, like, random scary images and scary music, and I'm like, why is that in the video bill? Like, I always get mad when they upset the potential reality of the thing, and Anyway. Yeah, it's like scary enough to just have it be a scary thing. That's a that yeah, that's a, a typical problem with um with creepy pastas is a lack of restraint. Like um, <laughs> there's the popular uh, example that I always think of is in Squidward Suicide. Rather than just being like someone snuck me this tape of this spooky episode of SpongeBob, they were like the entire production crew sat down and watched it and we watched the whole thing and the animation was like impossible and the eyes were too real and then like Spongebob creator Steven Hillberg sat through this entire 11 minutes without saying a word and then got up really angry and it's like mm, you've completely destroyed your reality just to describe something in a spooky way yeah. Um, it would have been much spookier if it was like The Ring. Uh, it's just like, yeah, I watched this videotape and it was, I don't know what happened to it, but it was real spooky. To be fair, though, so I'm sorry, I got us on a tangent about that video, which is on the creepy pasta wiki, if anyone else wants to watch it, but that was not actually part of the author's original story. And I don't think they offered me that video. Maybe they did. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't think so. This uh, this article is not credited to anybody, so I don't know who wrote, who created the rake. Like we know who made Slenderman, uh, but we don't know who made the rake. Um, yeah, I just wanted to, uh, like, uh, last week's story was a much better example of, uh, restraint, the monster at the end of the tape, because it was like, we didn't get any, like, the monsters don't do any violence. We just know that they're on their way, uh, and there's no, like, overt descriptions of spooky things. It's just, like, a sort of feeling you get, um, and, uh, I don't know. I think that the story did an okay job, but it does not seem like you could adapt this to a video form and have it be spooky, uh, and show the monster at the same time. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I mean, I do always like, like I said, we, I mean, I really liked the last one we did because of the ambiguity. So this one is not as ambiguous, obviously. I mean, it kind of, some of them, it kind of starts out that way with like the first couple of ex excerpts, you know, it's just kind of like, there's a thing and it's scary or like the one that's like, you know, it just says, I have experienced the greatest terror like three times, you know, so that kind of is. Yeah. Um, but I just think that, you know, especially in that the last one, the long one, I mean, there's just kind of some elements in here that are just always scary, I think. I mean, mm -hmm. the idea of waking up in the middle of the night and something is at the end of your bed is just, like, the scariest thing in the world, like, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a classic sleep paralysis uh, image, yeah. uh, which I, mean, that's I think... just, like, horrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's the idea of someone being, like, at the point... Uh, 
the point in the room where you are most vulnerable to them, uh, and also, like, in the most vulnerable position, like, laying down and just waking up. Yeah, like, that is, so, like, because what, what can you even do at that point? Like, you're half asleep, and you're, like, under covers, and then just, like, the scariest monster in the world is at the foot of your bed. Like, you're just screwed. Like, it's over. No, but if you're under <laughs> yeah. the covers, they can't get you. That's a rule. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, that's probably why our brain conjures up, uh, uh, shadow men at the foot of the bed, because it's, like, it will instantly wake us up. We'll instantly be like, oh, phew, I'm awake, no, no danger can get me. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's an evolutionary and- treat. To be like, how do we make mm. you safe when you're in that sleepy state? I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I think there's, um, there's some benefit to horror, like, a lot of the cautionary tales, uh, type of horror stories or folk tales or creepypasta are all like there's a place in the woods you shouldn't go and uh in general i think it's good advice to tell people not to go wandering out in the woods yeah well yeah that's true <laughs> uh so i, I mean, think a, a bear might eat you or something yeah exactly like you don't have to worry about slendermans it's just like there's <laughs> there's actual monsters out there or like, also you can just like mountain break lions. Your leg and be stuck or trapped. You know, I mean, there's like dangers that don't even have to do with getting eaten or Slenderman. Yeah, yeah, you, you can m- just get lost and like starve to death right, or something. Right, right. Like even without worrying about cougars or pumas or mountain lions or mm, this joke isn't going yeah i know i was trying to think of a fourth one for it to be funny Uh, that's Uh, only gonna work if you knew like 10 different names (laughs) well there's at least five fairly yeah uh catamount that's another one uh yeah they're all the same same critter uh but yeah i um this uh this this is uh Mm, yeah, I don't know what I was going to say. I thought this story was surprisingly well written. I had low expectations for it because of uh, the fact that it's a popular creepypasta. <laughs> well, Cassie, what did you think of it? I, I was just trying to put in earlier uh, to just say, like, I think this story is terrible. I'm going to hate it. And here's, here's the thing. I actually enjoy, I hate the intro. I think it's like messy. And I, I loved the first, like, three entries, like, the suicide, it was scary. Um, I don't need to do that. Because they were ambiguous. They had the ambiguous thing going on. They were ambiguous, yeah. and also I just think they're nicely written. I really loved, um, Dearest Winnie, I have a thing for you. He spoke your name. Like, that's one whole letter that is, uh, quoted in here. And I think that's the creepiest thing, and that is my previous part of it right now. He's like, that was amazing. I like the journal entry, the marriage log. And then we get to the year 2006. I thought this was like the messiest, most nonsensical account of like what the hell is even happening. And you guys think it's super effective and it's fine that we disagree. Um, but I just really was like, I thought the descriptions were really bad. I couldn't quite understand what was going on, but not in like an effective way, in a like, why did you write this better way? I thought it was ridiculous that the daughter says he is the rape. I was like, I literally rolled my eyes. I was like, oh really? Is it? Thanks for pointing that out, daughter. Um, oh my god, I can't believe you didn't even think that was creepy. See, I think that's scary because there's a little child covered in blood in the middle of the night and she says something totally that a little kid would not ever say and that's weird. I knew this was why I hated it. And then I was going to say what happened to the little girl. Like, did he eat her? Did he 
I know it's ambiguous. You fill it in, and it gets even worse. That's good. Yeah. No, I I kind of agree with Cassie on this point. Uh, cause like the creature runs out into the hallway, uh, towards the kids' room, and then like nothing happens, and the creature's gone, and the little girl is hurt. Yeah, and, and like we don't. Well, I want at I least like a I got into the room, and the window was no, open, and I no, didn't no. see what I happened. Think what happened? No, no, he had already hurt the little girl before he went in the parents' room. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, like, he was, like, literally, they found him at the foot of their bed, and then he ran out, and then when the light is turned on, she can see that he's already covered in blood, because he already, like, hurt her, and that's, like, why it's even worse, because it's, like, they couldn't have even done anything, because they didn't know he was there until after it happened. Uh, okay, you made me feel slightly better about this, because I was just so pissed at how it went down. And I was actually pissed about the ambiguity, because this whole section is completely unambiguous. Like, literally, there is a sentence. My husband was carrying over his arm and me, tucked into the fetal position, occasionally glancing at me before returning to the creature. That is so much freaking detail that I didn't even want or care about, and then we get to the actual like, sighting part, and it's like, I don't even know what's going on because it's so ambiguous. Yeah. So no, I- that's because it already happened. It didn't happen just then. All that happened at that point was he just ran in the hallway. He okay. already hurt the girl. Yeah, yeah I wish I that had been more clear. Yeah, and it gives me a reason why I would have gotten that better. Or maybe I just was I think you had just already decided you hated it, so then you wouldn't even give it a chance yeah. and read it right. That's not true because <laughs> I liked the first three blobs a lot. I was really into them, I was into the style. I think he, I, I think I just didn't like, I, I just can't how it works when we switched to this like weird, over detail. Yeah, someone's making a lot of mic noise and I think it's Steph. Yes, Steph, you go. Um, Is it me? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. It's okay. I just think that there's yeah, nothing typical. to go this far until late that night, inexplicably. I just think that's the dumbest, weirdest thing to do. It's like, I'm thinking that scene from The Office where he's like, the GPS sense turn right, and they just like turn right into the box. <laughs> like, I don't know, if they had gotten into some kind of car crash or something, and not said he drove into the lake. Because to me, I mean, that suggests like maybe he did it on purpose because he was driven, you know, mad by this encounter with the monster, but... Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. I've either it was like that suicide guy, and the monster just got so in his head, and that's what he had to do, or like you know, it could have been one of those, you know, the monsters in the middle of the road all of a sudden, and he swerved crazily into the lake. I guess I, yeah. I wanted more of either of that. I guess, and I know that's something that my mom would know. Maybe the line that bothers me is like while well, rushing her daughter to the hospital, because now I'm just imagining him randomly driving into a lake. Like I just wish it was worded in like a different way to be more careful about presenting this very good story detail, or what should be a good story detail. Yeah, it's uh, it's very like I thought. Okay, the daughter didn't get killed by the monster, so she's fine. And then she dies in a car crash. In a lake crash. Well, yes. I mean, so I think we're supposed to think that the monster is somehow responsible for that, also, though. Yeah, I guess so. I also, when the monster first shows up, I got the impression that the husband knew what was going on by the way he kept looking back and forth. 
Huh. Uh, but then that didn't well, go anywhere at all. <laughs> no, I think I'm. I mean, I, I kind of got the impression. Well, because then the mom also was like, um, you know, I saw him and I had this feeling that we were supposed to help him. So I feel like when you see him, it's like he creates some kind of feeling in you, so you don't act the way you would normally. I guess if you just saw like a crazy thing at the end of your bed. Yeah, I thought that the husband yeah, was reacting true. the same way that she was because both their behavior is extremely odd at that point. And, like, the fact that they neither of them moves or, like, shouts or anything. And since we have four internal monologue, I kind of thought he was going to Yeah, the and then thing. it was, like, when... And then when, like, the creature got up, though, and started running into the hallway, that's kind of when they, like, snapped out of it. And that's why then she screams and is, like, running after it or whatever. Because yeah. it's, like, they kind of get out of whatever spell that the monster put on them. Okay, here's the final thing I hear about this story. <laughs> so oh, then, boy. Then it's, like, oh, I'm... And the police weren't really helpful. And I like I just sort of had a line that was like the police concluded the husband had like kidnapped the daughter and committed like murder suicide by driving into the lake. There's just no closure on like what anyone thought of this. They're like it all just kind of you know whatever because that that would be such an easy way for the town to kind of brush it under the rug, but she knows the truth. But instead they're like this horrific thing happened, but nobody really cared or helped me. And I'm like that that wouldn't happen, really. Well, it. It said uh, the police were helpful at first, uh, and the local newspaper took a lot of interest, and then with no explanation about what the police, how they stopped being helpful, it just says the story was never published, and the local television news never followed up either. Which is like- Well, I feel like, it, I don't know, I feel like, though, if they're like, oh my gosh, look at all this blood, this lady's husband went crazy and, like, murdered this girl and drove them into a lake, like, at first they would be helping with that, but then when the lady is, like, in insisting that a creepy crazy monster did it then they were probably like oh oh well right and that's another situation where i have so much detail about what position this husband is lying in but then when we get to an interesting thing of like what is the aftermath she doesn't tell us (laughs) yeah she's just like well nobody was helpful the end (laughs) yes well, uh, I liked the story. <laughs> I liked like two thirds of the story very much. <laughs> yeah, I I agree that I was kind of uh, I I was hot and cold on it. I didn't hate the parts I didn't like as much uh, uh, as like as much as Cassie did, but uh, <laughs> I, I, mean, I I did. I don't hate it, but go on. I don't well, like the I name totally of the get creature. The... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I get the critiques on it, and obviously it's not, like, the best written thing in the world, because it's a creepypasta, (laughs) but, I mean, I thought that the elements of it were scary enough that it kept me interested in it anyway, um... And, you know, just comparatively to some of these that, Jeff, you've made me read, <laughs> I thought this was, like, a pretty good one. <laughs> made is a strong word. To be fair, the first time you were on the show, you brought me the story, right? That was the Now News 8. Oh, yes, I did. You're right. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Uh, that yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> forever ago. Uh, I really like... Um, I, I, I like this at least a lot more than other creepypastas. I just wish the whole 2006 part was not there. Yes. <laughs> just give us... Uh, do, do a, like, uh, 
uh, sort of Call of Cthulhu type thing where it's uh, the whole thing is like, so I had an encounter with this creature and then I started doing research and I found all these things. Because uh, that is such effective horror to have one person be like, I seem to have accidentally stumbled into this ancient mystery. Whoops. Uh, and that seems like what they were going for and did not quite achieve. I think that they just need to like work on it some more. I realize this is an old creepy pasta that won't happen, but they tease that this is excerpts <laughs> from a book. So like, I would read a longer work that had many more uh, incidents recorded just because I really did like the first few. And I do think it's interesting to have them from different time periods and different people. And it would be cool to kind of have maybe like description on like who is this person? You know, like a suicide note from 1964, the book might give a little blurb about like who that person was, what their life is like. And I realize that's a lot of work for maybe pasta, but I think that some expansion would really help this story a lot. Yeah, that's tr- this. Uh, this story is almost like mm, too short to be effective, which is usually usually I have the opposite criticism that the story is like way longer than it needs to be with way too much detail. But this one, I feel like a lot of the horror would come from seeing the different accounts uh, through time and like sort of finding this whole lost history of this this uh, sort of supernatural creature. I don't know. Oh wait, here's another anyway, uh, one. Oh, no, I was just gonna kind of yeah. one more interesting thing that I thought was kind of funny. In the beginning, it's like this thing is always in around um, New York, so I guess like upstate New York, and once found in Idaho. And I'm gonna need a laugh because I feel like uh, when you look at accounts of like the Jersey Devil, I've seen people saying they saw the Jersey Devil in like other states, and I'm like, well, why was that? Why was it there? And I'm just curious, like, what was, yeah. what was the one incident where the raid went to Idaho and why? <laughs> like, what, uh, <laughs> it was just a road trip. <laughs> road trip. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Rake and Kumar go to Idaho. <laughs> I love that movie. Great. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, what's the spookiest part of this story to you, Stephanie? Well, again, I pretty much completely disagree with you guys. So (laughs) I do think, again, the scariest part to me, regardless of the writing expertise going on, is when the husband and wife wake up and he's sitting at the end of their bed. Because I just think that is like the scariest thing ever, no matter what, basically. Um, And especially because it wasn't even like standing at the foot of the bed. It was like literally sitting on the bed and they said it's like facing away from them. And I just thought that was horrifying. That is really scary. Cassie, what about you? Uh, Well, I already gave the line I really liked about from like that long letter that just said he spoke your name. But another thing I really liked actually was the end of the Mariner's Lock from 1691. And it says, we shall not return here again at the request of the rape. And I don't know if it's like necessarily the spookiest part, but I think it's extremely effective because you you can imagine people looking through historical documents and just reading that sentence and freaking the fuck out. Like, look at this document from the 1600s, and they just get a throwaway line at the request of the rape. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, uh, I agree on that. Uh, For me, the spookiest part is uh, probably... uh, I don't know, I kind of like the description his wet hand. Uh, 
Gross. Yeah, it's just like it's not explicitly spooky, but it's just like kind of gross. And in combination with all the other stuff, uh, it's weird though because I don't really like the rest of that paragraph that much. It's like it's okay, but uh, it's surrounded by much better ones. <laughs> um, and uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Any final thoughts before we get into plugs? Um, I liked it. I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's uh, That's our thoughts. (laughs) Steph, where can the people find you online if you would like them to do so? Uh, I am at Pokemantic on the Twitter and the Instagram, but I'm pretty boring. But if you like, you know, cat pictures sometimes, you could check it out. Uh, Cassie, what about you? So I'm at Love of Strings on both of those social platforms. And um, I will also plug, I didn't do this last episode, sorry. I'll plug this website that Stephanie and I used to write for and don't really write for anymore. Uh, Bibliomantics.com. If you enjoy reading about uh, books, book reviews, upcoming books, other things about books, it's great. Go yeah, there. Cassie, Cassie Rose writes that. You should go read it. She's great yes. at everything. Yes, she is. Uh, and you can find me as usual on weaponizedlanguage.com or the better to type URL funtimes.online. You can listen to more episodes of Creepy Podsta. You can listen to my other show, Seeing Reddit, uh, which is pretty great. Or my other, other show, my thrice weekly Pokemon podcast, Someone's PC, uh, where we're reviewing all of the Pokemon in order. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty great. Uh, I think we're maybe about a third of the way through Gen 1. No, we must be further than that by now. I don't know. We're pretty far. Uh, we do three a week. That's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, uh, and anyway, that's it. He is the rake. <laughs> <laughs>